becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you get to make real. Have we started? Uh, I hit record. Okay. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Shores. Hey. Cheers. Yeah, you guys got a little preview. <laughs> I'll cut that first part out. Yeah. Well, we have a super interesting. We one. don't ever edit the show <laughs> once we start. Yeah. But we'll cut out at the beginning. <laughs> cut off, a, trim a little at the top. Exactly. Yeah. But once we once we welcome you to the Shores, it's on. That's right. <laughs> and you've been welcomed. Uh-huh. Consider it. Here we are. <laughs> what do we got tonight? We haven't done this in a couple weeks. I know it's been a wild summer, and we uh, you know, you'll notice whenever we like download like thirty episodes that we haven't <laughs> put out yet. I don't know if you want to say that out loud or not. And it's already said. It's already said. Yeah. Did it. Well, it's really fascinating. I mean, like you know, you and I have been doing this for over three years now. Maybe almost wow. four. Yeah, I think. Well, we started in twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. So, yeah. September, August, August, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like we kind of hit different strides and stuff like that. And then we hit a long stride where, like, just everything was going well. You know, it's like, um, <clears throat> but then uh, it was kind of like, I guess it, that was really COVID is when you and I just, like, hit that stride of, like, yeah. almost two years, you mm-hmm. know. And then I think, you know, what what is that? It's like you kind of you almost have to get re-pumped up again or something like that. Like probably something we need to do is actually advertise, not advertise, but promote our stuff. You mean like when you hit a stride in something and it goes really well and then that seems to kind of get stale or something like you have to like reinvigorate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is like you and I just like doing this no matter what. (laughs) So it Mm kind of doesn't, so it's really, maybe it's also that part of it. It's like, it's not as important as that's not really the important part is putting it out. The most important part is doing it. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and the putting it out is sort of like a secondary aspect. Yeah. To make it real. <laughs> but I got I haven't really felt I haven't really even felt uh you know, like if we never released another episode ever again, it's like I you know, it's like it's still like the doing it is still the part I enjoy. Hmm. Yeah, it would change something for me I think if we didn't put them out. Yeah. Cuz there is something about the the third voice on mm. the podcast which is like knowing that someone's going to listen yeah the listener mm-hmm. changes the conversation that's true in a way that i think sharpens us mm-hmm. i feel that yeah no it makes sense. I, I guess i haven't hit that point of or that that place where well, i know we're gonna be putting these out so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i don't know if that commitment's like oh we're not gonna ever put these out it's like that might change everything yeah i think it would yeah that makes sense. No, but we definitely don't treat this like we're trying to make it into anything that it isn't. Mm-hmm. We just like doing it. And right now we're about 10 episodes behind putting them out. And, you know, most likely no one will ever listen to those 10 episodes. Yeah. Because that's just like 10 hours or more of content mm-hmm. that, you know, well, I won't be... Um, hubristic enough to imagine that people are like looking forward to spending 10 hours listening to our podcast <laughs> to catch up. Yeah. To catch up. Although you got to listen to the one with Dave, Dave's on. That's, yeah, I think that's, that's true. One that, that if you do go back and listen to the other ones, Dave's one. Yeah. We really did good. have a guest on, um, which we hadn't done in like two and a half years, maybe mm-hmm. besides Allison. Yeah. But she's not really guests. She's just kind yeah. of more part of the shores. She's part of the family. <laughs> um, so that's a good one. That would be a good one to listen to. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll make sure to indicate that on the social media for the, yeah. you know, hundred or so of you that are following us there. <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about uh, the Adam project. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so there's this movie, I guess, I guess it's on Netflix called the Adam project. It's got mm-hmm. Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo. Um, and, uh, what's her name? The alias lady. Oh yeah. Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really fun movie. I mm-hmm. liked it a lot. Um, and time travel movies are often annoying because in order to get out of them, you have to have sort of this do sex machina kind of situation where you just resolve unresolvable problems because, mm-hmm. you can always go back in time, you know, yeah. once you have time travel, every plot is 
meaningless because mm-hmm. you can always go change it, mm-hmm. which I think is a really interesting observation that like once you're outside of time, all of the dynamics that make plots work tend to fall apart. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, it, it posed an interesting question to me or, or I posed an interesting question to myself somehow after watching that movie, which is that, um, if you could get advice from your future self, would you, would you want that? Like, it seems like it'd be a pretty great thing to have, mm. you know, advice for you from you from the future. Yeah. Be pretty awesome. Well, there's, there's kind of an exercise in doing that. Um, and it kind of takes you out of your present moment and it kind of reshifts your, your focus and sort of like in relativity, it's like, your frame of reference is your future self. And so you're looking back on your life almost as a, as a, as an objective observer, almost, you know, like your future self is an objective observer of you at the present. And it's like, what would that person say to you? And I think that's something that, uh, as a, just a regular exercise is really helpful because sometimes you can maybe be more honest with yourself yeah. when you give a, when you give yourself a longer time frame. Like, how's this going to affect me in 30 years or whatever it mm-hmm. might be? <clears throat> well, just to tie that to the Adam project, the, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the loose plot of it is that Ryan Reynolds comes back from the future into the present and interacts with his 11 year old self. Mm. And then the two of them, in order to destroy time travel, because it's become this terrible thing, uh, go back in time further to consult their father who in the present timeline is dead. So they go back in time to when he's alive to talk to him. So a lot of the movie occurs and it's the father and his son and two versions of his son, you know, from different times. And in order to solve the, the plot problem of the movie, they have to destroy time travel. But the, the result of destroying time travel is that in any given one of their three timelines, the other timelines collapse and go away because time travel no longer exists. Mm. And so they kind of have this moment where they, you know, the older Adam, Ryan Reynolds talks to his younger self and basically says, I don't know if you're gonna have any memory of this, but like, basically you need to go hug your mom, like stop being such a dick. And she's, (laughs) she's struggling too and carrying around a lot of grief and you need to show her some, some love and some other things are said to him and to the dad and all of that is really uh, some moving movements. I really liked the movie a lot, but, um, you know, so then what happens happens. And then there's scene at the end where the 11 year old Adam is running out the door, you know, sort of ignoring his mom. And then he kind of pauses and turns around and runs back and hugs her. And, and I think, you know, if time travel had, like you could imagine yourself in that story, if time travel had been invented, and you were tasked with solving the calamity that it created. And part of what you did was go back in, dis- in time to destroy time travel being created. And as a part of that, talk to your younger self. But then that timeline collapsed and you couldn't in direct like scientific fashion or whatever access the, all of that that had happened. It's just some story now. And your future self had said something to you would you know what that is? And is there any difference between, you know, having actually gone on a time travel adventure and your future self giving you advice and you simply just sitting here as you and I are in reality and saying, what would my future self say to me about this? Hmm. Would there be any difference between those two things? Yeah, it seems fundamentally, yes because the other person will have lived that in maybe a few uh, iterations of the possibilities of, of where they're at, you know? So, but again, I think there's, there's some, I think there's some definitely, but to have lived value. it and had no direct memory of it, it's just sort of like a whisper from within, within your conscience. It said, mm-hmm. you know, at the point that you destroy time travel and the, the other timelines collapse. Yeah. Whatever, whatever communication you have of that or memory of that is just something of a whisper of conscience. It's no longer um, like a direct tie to an experience. Well, you could almost like, so let's go the other way too. Maybe this will do something. Um, 
is like how much is your heritage speaking the same way to you, you know, and, and, you know, like your, your forefathers and foremothers that brought you into this world and brought your parents and their parents and their parents into the world, you know, it's like, yes, we are animals, but we're also like how much, how much of what is passed on also possibly carries some of their essence with us, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could probably see that in the way that, you know, the DNA and that kind of stuff and how we're formulated, you could probably see how we might carry that same, um, maybe same thought patterns or or capabilities, but are more developed as we move through the future. Maybe, I don't know. Hmm. Does that make sense? Kind of. Well, you know, it's like, (laughs) I mean, there's the cliche things. I don't know how true this is. It's like, you know, two beautiful people have a baby like, Oh, you're going to make beautiful babies, you know? Mm -hmm. And most of the time that's true, you know, or two smart people have a baby and that baby's also smart, you know? Right. And then there's also anomalies within that. But I, 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 think that's generally true you know it's like as far as so th- so we do see that there's something that's passed on to the generations and you know like our you know you have uh, and then also how much of it's you know nurture versus nature too you know people that are more entrepreneurial tend to come from entrepreneurial families you know uh quite a quite a bit i would i believe you know um so i mean so if, if i think historically if, if you look like that's hard to right now I'm battling in my head about nurture versus nature and this whole whole Mm -hmm. idea because like you know Texans are known for a certain way of looking at the world you know kind of like pioneers and we've got grit we've got grit true grit Uh like you know when Hurricane Katrina came yeah Katrina it was just great like Texans didn't wait for the federal government to take action they're like we got this Mm -hmm. these are our people yeah and took action, you know, it's like, I think there's just something that is genuinely Texan about that, you know, and that might be more of a cultural or, um, uh, nurturing type thing that happens here in Texas. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, but as far as like, I mean, you are your future self, just your unrealized potential, you know? Yeah. Well, and I kind of want to suggest that you can, like, you can ask your future self for advice Mm -hmm. and your future self can give you advice. And the difference between sort of the the fantastical sci-fi version of that, where your future self literally time travels back and gives you advice Mm -hmm. and what we would think of as reality, the difference is just simply time scale Mm -hmm. because like I can ask my tomorrow self what would be, what's good? Oh, like, gotcha. what should I do? Mm-hmm. And my tomorrow self, it's, it's like, it's close enough in time where it's, it's like, you could argue it's like, it's so trivial and obvious, mm-hmm. but I could ask my tomorrow self, Hey, you know, should I uh, get drunk tonight? And my tomorrow self's going to be like, well, not if you want me to exist in any <laughs> like functional fashion, you uh, know? Yeah. But, and you could say, well, that's just trivial and stupid. Mm-hmm. But I think that you can actually do that. You can say, you know, um, in, in a much more meaningful way, how should I continue living this day? And how should I handle the decisions that are in front of me? Mm. And you can ask, I mean, that's what consciousness is. Like consciousness yeah. is a small step outside of time. Mm-hmm. It can conceive of and bring into reality the future. And in a sense, that means it's already in the future. Like, it isn't just a wish-making machine. Yeah. You know? I'm not just wishing about the future. I'm actually... My consciousness extends into the future and molds reality into what it wishes it to be. Mm-hmm. Imperfectly. And there's a lot of things outside of our control. But in that way, kind of like you said, you already are who you are. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not who you're going to be when you're 80. Mm-hmm. But you can communicate with that part of you. In a very real way. Yeah, it's very elusive. Well, let me throw this out here because this is something I was thinking about. I don't know who I was talking about this with, but um, 
But, you know, on one instance, it's like, I will never be Michael Jordan. Like, that's something that is impossible, you know, maybe my physical makeup or whatever it might be. But also Michael Jordan wasn't Michael Jordan. You know, the, the Michael Jordan that we're thinking of right now, that is possibly arguably the best basketball player of all time. You know, he wasn't that person in ninth grade. Like he had to become that person and he didn't know he was that person. And if he would have said like, Oh, I'm not Michael Jordan, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> then he would, he would never become <clears throat> Michael Jordan. Well, he know? wasn't even that Michael Jordan in college. Exactly. Yeah. Like even after he started playing basketball, seriously, he mm-hmm. wasn't the best. He wasn't even close to the best. Mm-hmm. That, that, uh, documentary, the last dance. Oh, so good. So good. And so awe inspiring. I think for that reason only mm-hmm. it's like, you know, there are people who are phenom level talents, mm-hmm. you know, I've known some of them in my life and they're very annoying, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, cause like, like I come from a world of music. I did my undergrad in music. And so I've known some musicians who are just like stupid good. It's mm-hmm. like, I, I just, you, you bother me because everything you pick up, you're great at and you don't struggle with anything and you've never practiced and yeah, everything yeah. makes sense to you, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you look at someone like Michael Jordan, you, you see him at his peak and you think he must have been that way. Just like phenom talent. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. Yeah. You know, or, or it's arguable at least, mm-hmm. you know, he through sheer act of will made himself who he is. And yeah, he had some talent, but it wasn't, he wasn't just riding on talent. The man mm-hmm. worked his ass off. Yeah. And I think in that case that it was the young Michael Jordan was, reaching into the future and saying, this is the Michael Jordan I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to manifest that. I'm going to make that be, let it be so. Yeah. And in that way, I think he probably did in some way communicate with his future self and say, what is the Michael Jordan that I want to be do tonight? You know, well, it's like, and he didn't go out and he says, what is the Michael Jordan that I want to be? What does he do tomorrow morning? He gets up at 4am and he works out two hours longer than anyone else. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do that. You know, I don't think that you do that. You don't do that just because that's what you like doing. You do that because you're in communication with a higher call hmm. or a future call. Yeah, it's like, why do you're you do You're interacting that? with yeah. a promise. Uh-huh. A promise from what? Promise from who? It's like a promise from yourself. Yeah. A promise from is that the same as to say a promise from something supernatural? Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a difference between well, how does somebody the future like that and the supernatural? That? You know, it's like, obviously he's seeing something mm-hmm. and, and he's moving toward it. And obviously there's sort of like a positive feedback loop too. You know, as you yeah. make progress, you start to, it actually opens up more and more and more opportunity. Right. You know? uh, it, it becomes seemingly self-evident mm-hmm. as it happens. Yeah as it unfolds. Mm-hmm. But it takes, I think a great amount of commitment and probably faith, especially at the beginning yeah. to say, no, I'm going to be the best. What are you talking about? You're not that great. Mm-hmm. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also this point where you do are really good and then you could probably just stop there because you're really good. You know, it's yeah. like good enough for what? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing it's is relative, like to, so. be, to become the best, you have to break out of categories, mm. which means you have to be better than anyone else ever has been before. Well, I do think there's that part. I think the, the healthy aspect of that, that as that part is, uh, it's like when you are the person you're competing against, you know, it's like, I want to be a better person than I was yesterday. It's like, that seems like a kind of a worthy goal, you know, as far as, because if you compare yourselves to other people, um, you might not, it would seem like you would put things on you that are not like, it's always relative to somebody else. Like if you, Mm -hmm. if you're always competing against yourself and seeing, you know, well, how much further can I push this? today with what I have, you know, and like, how about the next day and then the next day and the mm-hmm. next day. And, and then you project that out 20 or 30 years, you know, I think that's something that, you know, if I spend my forties doing this one thing, 
you know, what, what will that, what will that, what opportunities will that open up for my fifties? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time a little bit with this in that, you know, how much of it is conscious and how much of it is driven, you know, it's, there's a part that, uh, I, I can think of some CEOs types that are more of like, I came from nothing and there's sort of a greed aspect to it. You know, it's like, like if greed drives you, you know, like, or, or something that's not, it doesn't seem to have the same effect of aspiring to something beyond yourself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, like the people that I see that are more like, I want to be the most famous person in the world. That seems like a very, it doesn't seem like a sufficient goal Hmm. or the richest person in the world. Well, isn't that interesting though? Like the proposition that you're setting up there is that, um, well, you asked the question, like, could you be good enough? Good enough. Mm -hmm. You know, in basketball, um, the, is it enough to be the, in the top 10% of players in the NBA, top 5%, top 1%. At what point is it enough? And I think the interesting thing is that if you look at it in those terms, it does become something, it becomes a sad story. Mm -hmm. Just like success for the sake of greed becomes a sad story. And the interesting thing is that because in those cases, by any worldly measure, it's the measuring stick isn't big enough Mm -hmm. because you have more potential. Yeah. And so to compare yourself to who you were yesterday means that you can constantly improve. You can improve past the what the 10%, the 5%, the 1%. You could be the single best. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which is which is to create a new category. Mm-hmm. Okay. To say no one's ever been that good before. And then past that you can push even further. It's like the proper way to measure human success is not it's insufficient to do it via worldly measuring sticks Hmm. because we know intrinsically that you can always be better. And so however good you get, you can be better than you were yesterday. So it's like you're using more of a, a a measuring stick that's more properly defined by words like hope and faith in something more supernatural Hmm. than it is to define it by what has been done before. I like that. You, you can almost see why that, that sort of language is, is more fitting and maybe even healthier in that sense. Because, I mean, you know, it's something that your mom tells you, you know, it's like, you're the, you're the best you there, there is in the world or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's a, but I think there's something like actually true about that. I think C.S. Lewis talks about this too. It's like the more different you try to be, the more like, more like everybody else you will be, you know, mm. that, that I kind of slaughtered that. But, but the idea is like, we're all trying to be these certain people or do these certain things and, or try to be different. And the thing is, is like, you'll just be like everybody else because that's what everybody else is doing. But if you try to be the person that you're supposed to be, it's like, there will never be another person like you and you bring something unique and, and wonderful to the world and if you can manifest that, then you actually will be the <laughs> the most unique and and uh, like mm. a new category that nobody will ever match. I was thinking recently about I think I was having a conversation with someone about Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. thinking about how it seems to me that he kind of does what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's podcasting or like like a commentary on the UFC or, you know, even back to sort of the fear factor days it's in, mm-hmm. in the comedy standup specials. And he's just kind of like, seems like he wakes up and does exactly what he wants to do. And you could look at him and say, well, yeah, you know, he talks about having fuck you money and he's uber famous and doesn't have a care in the world. And mm-hmm. I think, well, I don't think that, I think the, that lifestyle and the money and all of that came as a result of him just sitting down and doing what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Like he even talks about his podcast as like, we never meant for this to be a podcast. Mm-hmm. We just liked sitting down and having conversations and it became this thing. And mm-hmm. I think here's a thought experiment for you. What if every day you woke up 
and you did exactly what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Or at least for part of it. No, no. For the sake of the thought experiment, okay, like, gotcha. like do exactly what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And how quickly would things either fall completely apart, mm. in which case you have the hard realization that what you want isn't good. <laughs> isn't good. <laughs> and then good. you've got to reframe. Mm-hmm. You've got to like renegotiate what it is that you want. Interesting. Or maybe something works. Mm-hmm. You know, like I always had this thought, there's this great, um, this great documentary about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers that came out, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago or something. It's called running down a dream. It's like six hours long and it's fantastic. Um, and Mike Campbell, the lead guitar player for the Heartbreakers said something at some point, he was being sort of like gracious about them having the life that they had. And he was like, I'm sure glad this worked out. Cause I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> like if this didn't work out, I would just be poor. Yeah. You know, it's uh-huh. like, this is all I know how to do. And I thought there was something in me that was envious of that. Mm-hmm. Like to be singular, mm-hmm. to say, I'm a guitar player. That's what I, that's what I know how to do. And that's what I do. Yeah. You know, like, I think one of the things that I have struggled with in my own life is that I, you know, talking about people who are good at stuff, I do tend to have like, at a generalist, generalist level, I tend to be pretty good at almost everything I try to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not really beneficial because I'm not really great at anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, music's not working out. I'll go do this, you know, tech stuff. And it's like, well, that kind of is working out enough to where it's like sustaining. And, you know, so it's like, I never feel like I've never really hit with anything like out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm because I'm always able to do something else. It's like I, when you have a fallback plan, you know, mm-hmm. something to fall back on, it's like you don't push as hard. Hmm. Um, but then I think, okay, so back to the thought experiment, you wake up every day and you do exactly what you want to do. You're going to learn a lot and you're going to learn that a lot of who you are and what you want to do is no good at all. <laughs> yeah. And then you're going to have to discover your insufficiencies Hmm. and discover how some of the things that you think you want actually go out into the world and make the world a worse place. Hmm. And so you're going to have to deal with that about yourself. And that's going to be really hard. Yeah. And would it be easier if I could just not have to do what I want to do every day and just say, well, okay, I'll accept the nine to five, I'll get myself up. I'll get myself into a building on time. And from there, you know, I've got some rails and things can't go too badly, but they also can't go too phenomenally, Mm. you know, but at least I'm not having to deal with myself all day, every day. Yeah. Uh, My own horrible insufficiencies and my own tendency to become pathological and tendency to make things terribly worse and not just terribly worse, but worse at the expense of my own selfishness because I was trying to do what I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. you know? But what if you tried it? And what if you did make those adjustments? What if you did look at yourself? Mm -hmm. And then you found the things that you wanted to do that actually did improve the world. Yeah. And you did those every day because that's what you wanted to do. And like, would your life not turn into something that people would look at from the outside and be like, well, yeah, but it's all these things that are enabling you to do what you want to do. It's like, no, it took a great risk. Mm-hmm. and did it forthrightly. But I, I think at the end of that is like, you, I don't think people, other people can be that again, it comes like that measuring stick too. It's like, cause I do see people who are, who, who fit that category and people just tend to hate on them, you know, mm-hmm. either minimize or, you know, that's their background. It's their athletic ability. That's their, you know, whatever it might be. And, and just minimize all the work that they, you know, put into it until you watch, you know, a last stand or something like that. Cause envy, envy mm-hmm. is a, a poison. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, I think kind of going back to your other point is that you have to have a, a higher goal than the feedback of your peers and those around you. Although we do need that. And that's something that is helpful. Right. Um, Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I mean, who who could you be? Like, I, that's something that. Well, okay, so even within that, there's a part that, uh, you know, is safe and sort of logical 
in that if I just do these things, I know I'll at least be okay. And so that's kind of like the safe way to, to go. And some of it's like, uh, also there's a, maybe there's a kind of a privilege to it too, you know, as far as like where we sit in history, you know, we don't have to, I mean, I'm going to disagree with myself once I say this, but like, we don't have to search and find food, you know, or, or shelters pretty available to most people in the West, you know, uh, you know, whether it's a one bedroom or a 10 bedroom house or something like that, it's, it's pretty available. But then also kind of like that also drives complacency when you don't have those drivers of poverty or eating or, <clears throat> or something else that, that kind of pushes you to actually make change and to be somebody different. You know, you either have to see something and be visionary and looking into the future, or maybe even some part of it's you're driven by the past or your, your circumstances to overcome into something, anything but this. <clears throat> and so you, it drives you to push into the future because mm-hmm. you know whatever this is, wherever I'm at right now, sucks ass. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, it seems like you're either pulled or pushed into the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it can be, it could be like both, both things. It's like, you know, you, you have a vision of, what that looks like, your future or whatever, you know, and that draws you into the future. Yeah. Another quote from that running down a dream documentary about Tom Petty, they were interviewing some, I think Rolling Stone journalist. And this guy said, I think every great artist is desperately trying to say something to someone who is not listening to them. Mm. And he said, I think Tom Petty for Tom Petty, it was his father. I think, to your kind of point, I th- greatness, at least what we perceive as greatness, often does tend to be movement, which is partly necessitated by an either an intolerable present mm-hmm. and or, and probably some combination of, a transcendent calling. Mm-hmm. And either way, you know, you're trying to say something to someone who isn't listening. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a transcendent calling and you try to tell someone about it, you know, there's so many parables about this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to tell you what God is telling me. Mm-hmm. Nobody listen. Okay. Come yeah. on. You know, prophet is not welcome in his hometown. Yes. Yeah, right. Kind of yeah. That's what makes it transcendent. Mm-hmm. Like if it wasn't, you know, if everybody believed you, then it wouldn't be transcendent. Yeah. Like Michael Jordan. By stop, definition. Stop stop practicing so much. Right. You know? What are you doing? Who are you, what are you, who are you trying job. to prove yeah. <laughs> something to, you know, uh-huh. it's like, well, to the future me that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe the future you that doesn't exist yet doesn't need to be that good. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm tuning you out. Cause I'm, you don't believe in the voices in my head, you know, you know, and, or the intolerable present. It's the, the father who lives here on earth now that doesn't, hear anything that you have to say mm. doesn't believe in you yeah doesn't want to know you doesn't care mm-hmm. you have so many things you want to say to him but he's not listening yeah you know so it's like greatness there is something lonely about it because mm. you're operating on terms that <clears throat> hmm. you're operating on terms that really only make sense to you yeah, it's interesting because it can manifest manifest itself in so many ways. Like, like you can, I mean, you think of like immigrants coming to the United States. Like, this is a very common immigrant story. Is like, I want to create a better future for my kids, and they work their ass off and give their give their kids a a future that is better than what they came from. And I mean, that's that's very visionary because they know that if when they come to a place like, like America, the United States, it's like, there's potential for me to do that. And I see that and I'm going to go there and I'm going to risk it all to start over. I mean, there's like, you know, you know, doctors and all kinds of stuff that, you know, or cab drivers or whatever it might be from mm-hmm. other countries that, mm-hmm. um, that come here, but it's, it's in the hope of a better future for their kids. Cause maybe where they're from, you know, is not stable and doesn't have that same stability to, 
to be able to build a future that is, um, that has the promise of tomorrow, you know, where as of right now in the United States, we still have the promise of tomorrow that we're stable enough that you can build into the future and have some reasonable idea that Hmm. the foundations are solid enough that you can, uh, that whatever you build will stand, you know, right. as long as you, you know, but there are, there are definitely stipulations. You have to work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. And there's no guarantee, but the foundations are there. You know, mm-hmm. we said this when, uh, one of our other podcasts, when we went to Mexico is like, that's one thing that kind of, we kind of noticed was like without the future and the stability of the government, it's really hard to build anything because it could be taken away from you at any, at any time. Yeah. Is it? Well, it's, it's less that it's hard. It's, it's more that it's not exactly worth it. Yeah. You know, I notice here in my neighborhood in Austin, um, it's an older neighborhood and what's happening right now is seems like on almost every block, there's a house that gets bought and then torn down and they build a new house in its place. And so I'm watching this construction process happen all the time. And, um, you know, they'll come in and they'll build and then pour a foundation and let that dry for a while. And then a truck will come early one morning. I'll usually see it when I'm out, you know, walking my dog before work or whatever and drop off massive pallets of two by fours and, mm. you know, lumber in, in with which they're going to build the frame, you know, <laughs> but they drop it off either late at night or early in the morning or whatever. And it just sits there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a huge pile of lumber that's probably worth who knows how many thousands of dollars. And totally. it's just sitting there, you know it's like, you can, in this country, afford to drop off thousands of dollars of lumber into a, you know, what is basically a vacant lot. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be there tomorrow when you come back and you're ready to start building. I mean, that is an incredible amount of security. Yeah. You know, like, I think plenty of other places, you drop off that lumber and you come back in the morning, it's all gone. Mm -hmm. Because people could really use it to build their own thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But in order to build something really nice, to build something good, to build something that's going to stand up and last and, you know, be beautiful, you have, there has to be enough security around you mm-hmm. that you can invest in that future. What's interesting, too, like you think about those who have changed the world in some ways, you know, uh, it's like seeing a better future, even though you might be in a, in a place that's like that, you know, where whether it's your home or or country or, or whatever it might be is, is having that vision of like, you know, what could this look like and how can I build something to get to that place? You know, I think of Václav Havel and, uh, Czech, Czechoslovakia, Czech Republic, um, Nelson Mandela, um, Gandhi, you know, it's like, like they saw a future and they were willing to sacrifice today for that future. Mm -hmm. So there's something about that. Like there's things you have to sacrifice for the future. And that's part of even like how we kind of distinguish ourselves from the animals is like, we're able to sacrifice today something into the future, uh, and preserve, uh, preserve things over time. You know, I think that's something that's hugely valuable. Um, it's like the whole marshmallow experiment, you know, you put marshmallows in front of kids and you know, like those who are able to like delay gratification, you know, tend to have like, you know, better work experiences later on in life or success rates. I just want to explain that experiment. Real oh quick. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, kids are put in a room and they have marshmallows. It's like, Hey, if you don't eat this art marshmallow for 15 minutes or an hour or whatever it might be, then you'll get two after that hour or three or five or whatever it might be. And, uh, they ran this experiment, I think over like a 10 or 20 or 30 year period. I forgot what it was, but they saw these kids into like their adulthood and they kind of noticed that the kids were able to delay the gratification early. It's like they were able, they're more successful, you know, however you uh, measure that monetarily or, you know, by the jobs they had or whatnot. So there's something about that delayed gratification that, you know, you know, a, a Michael Jordan who goes out and shoots hoops every day, runs and does all these things and is delaying maybe the gratification of today of going out with his friends and getting drunk he's actually building something into the future that you can't see or don't know. And he's mm-hmm. delaying that gratification for later in life, you know? Yeah. And there might be some, like some things that come in later in life where, you know, it's like, you don't know how to stop, you know? I think there's some, there's some unhealthy aspects of that too. It's mm-hmm. like, like 
you know, you know, maybe too singular, like to your point of like, you know, you're, you're fairly broad. You're like, when you say you're good at, good at most things, it's like, you're not just good at most things. You're kind of great at most things, (laughs) (laughs) but not maybe like excellent, like some other people, you know, that are more singular, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but I think there's something valuable about that too. It's like, you know, okay, great. You're the best basketball player in the world, but your kids hate you, you know? Right. It's like, was that worth it? Mm-hmm. And so uh, there, there are trade-offs to, to what we spend our time in and what we build into the future. Yeah, and there is no reward that is definitely worth all of the trade-offs. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do you mean? Well, I mean, even... Well, I was just thinking about Michael Jackson. So, sorry, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. My, you could go with Michael Jackson, too. <laughs> Actually, let's do Michael Jackson for a second. <laughs> you know... Um, Michael Jordan is arguably one of the best athletes to have lived. Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, I think, is arguably one of the most talented performers to have mm-hmm. ever lived. Yeah, he and Prince, I think, are probably my two. Yeah, and actually, I had this conversation with somebody recently. Okay, we, I don't want to derail you. No, it's ahead. okay. <laughs> I, I think Michael Jackson is head and shoulders above Prince. Okay. I would prefer... I, no, I'm not going to say that. I like Prince a lot. I think Prince is like wildly talented. Like it's kind mm-hmm. of dumb. Uh, there's if if you want to look up what what I think is one of the best guitar solos of all time. You sent that to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it's um it's the memorial service for George Harrison, and you've got Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne and um, John Lennon's son Sean Lennon, and who I can't remember who else is on stage. They're all playing while my guitar gently weeps, and then Prince mm-hmm. comes out and plays his guitar solo, and it's you—you you have never seen Eerie. <laughs> a performance like that. Mm-hmm. Like the absolute, the attitude—it's like he channeled grief into swagger. Mm-hmm. It's unreal. Um, anyway, but so take Michael Jackson. Like the the effect that Michael Jackson had on our culture is immeasurable. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. I, I listened to this really interesting interview. It was around the time, this must have been, I don't know, five years ago, there was a documentary, or it wasn't, it was a documentary, interviewing a bunch of his, I guess, alleged sort of like victims mm-hmm. um, who were young boys, I guess, in the 80s or now older. I didn't see it. But, you know, it was sort of a hot topic and it was in the middle of cancel culture and or the Me Too movement, I guess. And uh, it was a really interesting interview with this journalist who was talking about the problem of canceling Michael Jackson. And he's like, the problem is that you can't do it. Hmm. You don't realize until you start really trying how much of the fabric of our culture completely disappears if you get rid of Michael Jackson. Hmm. You know, it's like all of our top pop performers wouldn't exist without Michael Jackson. Mm. Not in the current, in the way that they are. Dance itself wouldn't exist. Fashion, Mm -hmm. style, like his, the places he touched. Like, sorry, sorry. (laughs) my bad, you know, but okay. So then recently I was in New York and I was walking around the streets and I, for whatever reason, I was thinking about what would it be like to be Michael Jackson walking on the streets in New York? Cause Mm -hmm. I'm walking the streets of New York. You're in this huge city. You're completely anonymous. Yeah. No one knows who you are. You know, unlike in Austin, where most times, you know, if I'm out for a day, I'll run into someone I know. Yeah, I could sign a few autographs, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I just mean like in a smaller town totally. that you've lived in for a long time. Like you feel like I'm not going to act a fool when I'm out because mm-hmm. chances are someone I know who I care what they think is going mm-hmm. to see me, you know. Mm-hmm. But then you go to a place like New York and you have this freedom because you think like, no one knows me. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to see these people again, not just because I'm visiting here, but because tomorrow this city will have churned such that the people that see me today are never going to see me again, mm-hmm. even if I live here. Yeah. You know, it's one of the great things about New York. And I thought about Michael Jackson and if he's walking down the streets of any city at any time, anywhere in the, in the world, <laughs> everyone knows who he is. Yeah. And how horrible would that be? Mm-hmm. You know, and, he's obviously a very fucked up individual and you know, I, I don't know that it's possible that for him to not have been a fucked up individual. Yeah. You know, that level of talent and that level of fame 
was the is the trade off worth it? And I'm not sure that there's a way to get around that trade off. Hmm. You know, and so maybe there's a, a, a similar observation about Michael Jordan, like you don't get to be the best without paying the price. Mm-hmm. And what's the price? Is it that your kids don't love you? Is it that you don't have kids? Is it that you can't sustain a romantic relationship? You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And is there mm-hmm. some version of success or some version, some reward to delayed gratification that's worth every trade-off? Yeah. And, you know, at the heart of that, that the question is a religious one. Like, is there an ultimate prize to be had that is worth all the trade-offs? Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. I mean, so let's, let's go with the religious part of it. You know, like, uh, you know, in Christianity, it's like, there's a part that says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to, us well, given to you as well. And also, like, there's, like, the two commandments, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Like there's something like in like again like like even Jesus talks to the Pharisees saying that you know uh, these two commandments encompass all of them, and so there's something in that that kind of kind of puts in perspective again. I think that's the whole whole idea. It's like to be the best for what and why. You know, I think that's a question that you see a lot of these these. Uh, you know, movie stars or, you know, athletes, they ask that question in their older years and like, was it worth it? You know, it's like, I think there's always been a, there's always a question mark in their mind too. You know, was Mm -hmm. it worth Mm -hmm. me giving up those relationships? One thing I noticed about the, the last dance documentary, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like this inspiring awe-inspiring story of this man who became the best. Mm -hmm. And then they're interviewing him in current day, Mm -hmm. and he's sitting in this giant house, Mm -hmm. and it's empty. Yeah. And I kind of was confronted with that, with like, okay, was it worth it? Yeah. You know, you're you're old and kind of fat and flabby now. Mm -hmm. You know, like you can watch the tapes, you can tell the stories, we can make this documentary, but you're sitting in a giant mansion mm-hmm. and it's empty it seems kind of sad yeah i mean he's he married still or i kind of forget now. no idea yeah yeah <clears throat> but that does seem like a fairly that, that story is not like foreign to people who will perform on that level you know and it's like you know where you could even say like some you know, some, uh, grandmother who is not extraordinary, but are sitting around her is like all these people like friends Mm -hmm. and family and like have the, so much respect for that person, you know, like, or the person you go to that was maybe not so remarkable, but there's like a thousand people at their funeral, you know? Uh, you know, I think there's, there's something to, I mean, obviously there's like what, what is success and what is, what is, is being the best basketball player worth it? You know, I think it's all inspiring and it, and it definitely, okay, damn it. See, I'm going to kind of come back. Cause I think there are moments in time where that you do sacrifice a lot for sort of like a greater purpose, you know, uh, <coughs> where, and it is worth it. And it is worth it. I mean, if you are, if you are in a, you know, uh, let's say somewhere that the drug Lords are, you know, basically ran the city, people were scared, you know, and you stand up against them. Well, you put your entire family at risk. Mm-hmm. You don't, you, they, your kids might not see you as much because you're always working to make that space a better place, you know, and, and there's certain things that you do sacrifice and, you know, you might be able to say in some instances, like, like the sacrifice was worth it because I'm leaving a better world for my kids than what I came into it as. And I think there is that in general for parents that we have to make some of those sacrifices that maybe our kids won't see or understand till later in their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, there's a fine line there too. I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a, a part of just plain neglect, you know, but, um, but in order for us to leave this world in a better place, there is some sacrifice that we have to make in order to, 
um, leave the world a, hopefully a better place for our kids, you know? Mm. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you can get around that really. It's, but, but there does, there is something about at your end of your life, like most people are going to value the, the relationships that they have and those who are around them mm-hmm. than necessarily their accolades, you know, that's where the riches are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like where your heart is there, your, uh, there your riches are, you know, mm-hmm. or rich are where your heart is, you know? So it's really, I mean, I think it's hard to, it's hard to say like, you know, cause again, like you said, you know, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, uh, all these icons, petty, you know, it's like they, they inspired and, 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 like motivated us into a future self that even opened our eyes to what was possible. You know, like Michael Jackson, all the dance moves, like before he did a lot of that stuff, it like opened people's eyes to like what was actually possible. You know, right. you know, like are you, I think of all the Red Bull stuff that happens, you know, it's like <laughs> jumping from a capsule in outer space <laughs> to the ground. Like, yeah. what the hell is that? Or like Elon Musk is, we're going to the Mars, you know, it's like, Oh no, you're not just joking. Like you're like serious, you know? Yeah. And, or we went to the moon, you know, it's like something about those things, like open our eyes for another generation to hope and dream and aspire to something that is amazing. You know, it's like, I think the United States has done that for, you know, you know, as far as stability and, and freedom, you know, yeah. for most of the world, most, most people in the world want to come to the United States, no matter what you hear us say about ourselves, it's, it's still a beacon of hope and, mm-hmm. and freedom and, um, you know, possibility. Yeah. And I think that's something that like to build those things does take sacrifice, you know? So, I don't know. Hmm. so what'd your uh, future self say to you, Matt? Hmm. I mean, you can stew on it and we'll, we'll, uh, we can come back to it. But I'm, I'm curious. I think something like test yourself. Hmm. You know, I, I offer that thought experiment about what would your, what would happen in your life if you woke up and did exactly what you wanted to do. And I think my future self would say something like, well, test it, test yourself. Are you a good person? You know, it's like if you wake up and you do exactly what you want, we would generally think of that as a selfish person and not a good person because generally what we think we want is something like, uh, pleasure and comfort. Mm -hmm. But what if, you know, and so you go do that and you act that out forthrightly for a while and everybody says, well, you're not a good person Mm -hmm. and you would agree with them, you know, as, as you saw the manifestation of your selfish, pursuits of pleasure Mm -hmm. uh, just wreck you and everyone around you you know but what if if what you want is isn't that yeah what if lurking inside of you is desire you know like so it's eat it's easy to say something like, okay, so you give me tomorrow. You say you're off tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. It's easy to say something like, oh, I want to sleep in. You know, I want to go to my favorite restaurant. I want to go like lay out at Barton Springs. I want to, you know, it's like relaxing day, self care day, mm-hmm. which is like a very popular thing to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, so self care. I'm just going to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's like things snap right into that category of self care. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all like unsustainable. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you spend a day that way and you're like immediately bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it sucks. Self-care is, is boring. <laughs> right. Uh. So it's easy to say shit like that. But I think that we each have deeper, darker desires. Hmm. And I say darker because we keep them in the dark. Yeah. Sort of subconscious. Yeah. And, and we don't say them outright and forthrightly because to say them, to admit to them 
would mean we are now responsible for them. Because if you say it out loud, people are like, oh, that'd be really good. You should definitely do that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, shit, well, now I actually have to do it. And doing it's hard. Yeah. And doing it exposes me to be vulnerable and to failure and to ridicule. And I might, you know, the opposite of self-care. I might actually loathe myself for my inability to bring this amazing uh, thought and idea into reality, mm. you know? So we keep them tucked away. And I think this is the, the um, hiding a light under a bowl mm. kind of analogy. Yeah. It's like we take our, the best light that we have and we hide it under a bowl because it's just too fucking painful mm. to look at it because it's too good. Mm-hmm. And so I think, well, what would my future self say to me if i i think my future self would say if you're wondering whether or not what it is that you really want to do is worthy or if it's just some boring ass self-care pursuit of pleasure test it Mm -hmm. do what you want to do and see what happens Hmm. and maybe it'll wreck you good get it out of the way (laughs) just very like jocko Jocko, good good you follow your face. Good. Now you know how to make a, now you know how to get out. Now you know how to make a face sandwich. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think we all have all of these desires within us. Like, like I can probably name you 15 things that I have really wanted to do that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to name them because then I've got to be ashamed, mm-hmm. you know, but um, just to go test it wake up and do what you want to do. Yeah. And when you're a piece of shit because of it, say, okay. And say, well, I don't have to want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And when something good comes out of it, you can say, hallelujah. Thank God that I had the whatever to get up and do it. And I want more of that. And I want to keep doing that. And you know, I have some version of myself in my head. It's the best version of me. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, maybe it sounds somewhat arrogant or something, but it's like, I want to know that man. Yeah. Like when I think about who the man is, who the man that I could be is, I'm like, I want to know that guy. Mm-hmm. Totally. That guy seems awesome. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So I want to get to work making him so. Yeah. I like that. So is there, anything, is there anything like specific that like you like uh, anything pertaining to right now that your future mm. would say self would say to you that I see that I see that I've seen that in your life in general. Like that's, that's a general position that you take towards life. I think, uh, you know, obviously you'll probably tell me that you don't do that well, but like I see that as a general principle in your life, you know, but I'm also curious, like, is there anything specific that, to this moment that your future self would tell you any, maybe it's not something you want to share on, on the podcast, but <laughs> I'm curious. Um, yeah, just go do the things you want to do. Like, you know, uh, um, write the song. Mm. Write the essay. Mm. Go get your pilot's license. Stop talking about it. Yeah. Um, have the courage to say what you think. Mm-hmm. Sooner than later. Because you're going to get there and you're going to think, why didn't I start doing this years yes. ago? <laughs> totally. So risk it. Mm-hmm. You're young enough to risk it. You know what falling on your face feels like. You know what being broke feels like. <laughs> totally. So risk it. Yeah. Go. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I, have, I think I've, you know, I've been learning that. And the weird thing is it always does seem to pay off. Mm-hmm. You know, and not in ways that I can imagine or not in ways that fit the categories of success that I see around me. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that means, 
well, you're on your way to inventing the new category. Totally. That doesn't exist because no one has ever done it like you before. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's ever been the best basketball player before mm-hmm. since Michael Jordan. Yeah. Someone else will be. No one's ever seen that person. No one's ever seen that level. Mm-hmm. It's not a level that, you know, is available to be had because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Or Michael Jackson's dance moves were something that was right. revolutionary. Right. Yeah. Like, what's the, the next version of the moonwalk? Yeah. The next version of a dance move that blows your mind like the moonwalk. You it's know, it's, not twerking. It's 40 years <laughs> later. It's definitely not twerking. <laughs> Cardi B is not giving it to us. <laughs> um, you know, but it's like 40 years later, the moonwalk is still like one of the most mind-blowing moves. And that dude just whipped it out on stage one day. Just like... There you go. I'm not even going to name it. Y'all can name it. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys call this? (laughs) Yeah. Uh. We call this money. We (laughs) will give all of our money to you now. (laughs) Totally. Um, So what what does your future self have to say to you? Um, You know, I've I've told you this before, but like I have this 72-year-old man that is sitting on a porch in a rocking chair. And, uh, and it's like, I want to meet that guy. Yeah. You know, obviously this is all sort of symbolic, but like, like I see this guy who is, um, sitting in a rocking chair and people are coming up and talking to him, you know, and, 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 and have a joy whenever they leave his presence. You know, there's something about this because I've met these old men and it's like, and I've kind of formulated this 72 year old that's in my head who I would aspire to be, you know, there's, there's these old people. I mean, I think your dad's in that category. I love talking to your dad. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, there's something about talking to him. You feel like he's your age, but he also is older and not condescending, you know? Mm -hmm. And so so I, it's like, I, I can't wait to meet my 72 year old self. And, but then it's like, where, how do you become that person? You know? So that's always the question in my head is like, how do I, how do I become this 72 year old person? And it's like, um, and so I, th- I think too, as far as like lessons I've learned is like, be not being afraid to fail is probably one of the biggest things is like to take risks. Kind of like you were talking about, you know, it's like, you have to take risk in order to know if something works or it doesn't work. You know, it's everything in theory is great, but like in practice is where you actually learn Mm -hmm. the lesson. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't work it out on paper. Working on paper is good. Like, you know, write the thoughts, do the things, but it's like, you have to like somehow manifest these things in your life. You have to figure out a way to manifest them, whether it's through business in your family, in your relationships, in your, with your wife, um, partner. It's like, it's like there's some, somehow you have to sort of take out of the void, out of the chaos and, and bring it into something that resembles order. And you have to continue and continue to do that. So I think that's something that I want to learn new ways to do that. And, uh, part of me, like right now, I just feel very limited in a lot of areas. Um, and I'm trying not to allow those limitations to, uh, define the possibilities. And I think that's something that I can just hear that 72 year old man telling me, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, it's like, even like some of these things are, that are, that are, (laughs) that are sort of, I feel are holding me back are actually for my good right now, you know, but I need to keep pushing on it, keep pushing on it, keep pushing Mm -hmm. on it. Uh, so I kind of just feel that old man, you know, somewhat when I, when I picture him in my head, it's like, like, I always see like, he's, he's really proud of me, which is really, which feels good. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's something that, uh, and like, he understands, like he understands me, you know, Mm. (laughs) that's makes me cry. almost. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's because it's like, you know, nobody knows your struggles, but you, you know, it's like, and you can't compare your struggles to anybody else. Cause somebody always has it worse, you know, mm-hmm. or someone's always in a better position. It's like, no one knows, uh, uh, 
no one knows your sorrows. And I think that's something that we try to do for each other. And I think that's where I see like my 72 year old self. Hmm. He knows. He knows. Yeah. So I like him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I think that's, I think it's really comforting me for for me to think of that, that person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered the question. (laughs) Boys, you tell me right now. You did answer the question. Yeah. I think I just, I just feel like being yourself is a lonely road. Mm -hmm. It is. But But it also isn't. Because there is, mm-hmm. there's also you who knows you, mm-hmm. who's waiting to know you, just like you're waiting to know him. Yeah. It's like that 72-year-old man is a conglomeration of many old men, you mm-hmm. know. And I would say even some in, in women, too. It's kind of like elder, maybe even is the question. is the Because, yeah. I mean, even like as you get older, it's the same thing. In your youth, you're sort of not masculine or feminine and as you get as you become older you also become less masculine and feminine like they start to meld again you know it's like uh, oh shoot i'm getting all technical but you know testosterone levels estrogen levels they start to kind of like lower and stuff like that and you sort of men tend to soften and women tend to be more bold you know hmm. if that if those are kind of like general generalizations but hmm. um well, I think there's also something that your future self carries of the ancestors that come before you. And you were talking about that earlier, like how much of who you are is bequeathed to you mm. from your ancestors and yeah. some unknown amount. And mm-hmm. as you get older, you start to understand that more, mm. you start to carry that more fully. Totally. So as you move toward who you, who you could be and get to know yourself, you're also getting to know the things that were passed to you. And you also know what you're passing on to the generations that don't understand what you're passing on to Mm -hmm. them. Like they don't have the same value that you know they will have, but they're not capable of right now. Yeah. It's the same thing with us raising kids. It's like we do so much for our kids that they don't understand the value of what we're giving them, (laughs) (laughs) but they will. And so we have, there's a certain sacrifice we have to make and giving them these things that they, yeah. we know that they're not even capable of valuing, you know, until later in years. And I think the older, yeah. the old, old man, the 72 year old understands that and sees that and has the patience to, to give that to others. Hmm. The patience to pass down mm-hmm. with the idea that most people will not understand what I'm giving them, you know? Right. Cause I, I have these, these images in my head of these people and they've given me something and I haven't understood, I don't understand it, but as I get older and older, I feel like I understand those people. Some have passed, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. but that they've given me something that's like put into me, you know, it's yeah. like, I would love to be able to put stuff into people that's actually good. <laughs> and you want to put things into people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Touch people who don't even know it. <laughs> Touch people who don't even know it. Uh, what you bring up Michael Jackson? Like, everything goes out the door. <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it right there. Right, sounds good. <laughs> leave it with know, right. soft, gentle touches. <laughs> Thanks for coming to the shores. Cheers. <laughs> Love you guys. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Hey, follow us on Instagram. <laughs>